people's greatest mistake is that they think they have time and you don't. Mm. Life is just so quick. Okay. You need to do it today. But until you're prepared to die in the fight that you're fighting for, you will not win. On Big Brother, I'll just d- diverge here yeah, for a minute. Yeah. When I went into some of those challenges, I was the oldest there, yeah? I had the medics pull me aside and said, Danny, calm the fuck down. They swore <laughs> at me. They said, calm the fuck down. You're going to kill yourself. I went that hard. Mm. And I remember doing one challenge where we had to run. It was stinking hot. And I thought I, th- I would look at the, the medic with the defibrillator thinking they can bring me back to life. I was prepared to die on set to try and win the challenge. No one's ever lucky. I, mean, I think the only lucky get in life is where you're born and then you make the rest. Stick around. It's going to be a good ride. What's been happening, boys? On the socials last night, I think it was, and there was a pilot filming eight UFOs. Hey? Eight UFOs. This pilot just got posted. Was he high? He was high up, yeah. <laughs> do, you believe, do you believe in him or not? I was, I was convinced. Oh, nothing shocks me, to be honest. Well, but I've seen some of that. Yeah, I've seen some of that footage that's been coming out, like Joe Rogan sort of stuff. No, nah, well, this is from a from a pilot. So he was obviously a pilot filming, and there was a formation of four and four, and they're all just sort of like moving. He in could spot. see him directly out the window. Yeah, he was filming on his phone. What? See, I reckon that could be like that's you know what? Well, it's you know well, well what the fuck what? is yeah, it? Yeah, like, you know, like, <laughs> that's real. Well, planes and shit. You know what I mean? They're up there practicing. You know what I mean? So no, nah, but they're in they're in no, no, airspace because they're in airspace that they. It's not be. that what they were doing. A plane can't do. Yeah, so, but there could be technology out there that's unawares to us. Okay. Anyway, in a universe just, that's to me, not ours. To me, it needs to make sense. <laughs> needs to make a UFO. It's an alien. It makes sense. <laughs> well, it doesn't make sense. Well, when you say UFO, does that automatically mean alien? Because well, unidentified flying object could be fucking anything, couldn't it? Could be the. I, don't know, I was making conversation. <laughs> well, we all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one, Dan. Yeah. All right, so, so <laughs> if, if you can do some more fact checking on that, and come, back <laughs> come back to us next week. We'll do, mate. All right, guys, let's get into it. Welcome back to the pod, everyone. We are the little fish, and we speak to the big fish about town each and every week. Um, we talk property development, construction, mindset, business. We bring as much value as we can. Uh, thanks, guys, for listening and viewing wherever you're doing that from. Um, Please tell anyone that's getting any value out of this. Please loop them in, like, share, subscribe, all that sort of stuff. Um, rip a guest today, guys. I'm just going to... Yeah. Good one. And if once you watch this, if you think anyone's going to get value out of it, make sure you loop them in because this guy's got a lot of gold. Today's guest, the hottest reality star to come out of 2021, co-founder of real estate juggernaut Hayes and Winkle, over 100,000 subscribers on his Million Dollar Bogan YouTube channel. He's a modern-day metrosexual, more jabs than Mike Tyson, oh. passionate about his mental health. This is a big intro, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and literally gives a bit of fuck, but doesn't give much fuck and speaks his mind. So that's why we had to have this guy on, Danny Hayes. Yeah. What's what well I mate? Are we doing this, Alan? What was what was wrong with the jab? What's wrong with jabs? Oh what? no! I don't know. I don't even. I don't even know what that is. I just read it. Oh, Botox. <laughs> the producer likes a bit of Botox. I, <laughs> I, I do it every now and then. We've got to look the goods. <laughs> Give us no. a look, Dan. How you? How you? I've run out. Oh, you've run out. You've I've come up. Out. Need good. another one. 
Botox stuff. Don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, Danny. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm bloody excited. Um, we don't usually start like this, but we found a vid. It's a good one. You'll like it. But um, we just thought it's 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 pretty powerful and it'll resonate with a lot of our listeners, the people we're communicating to. Okay. Um, and we loved it. We got a bit of goosebumps. But we'll just we'll start with that to set a bit of a scene of the man. You you, uh, you hit it, Benny. You know this one. So you think it's crazy for me to ride along the Bolivia death road because I might fall over the edge and die? I tell you what's crazy, right? This is a fact. Nursing homes are filled with people that are dying on the deathbed, and do you know what they're filled with? They're filled with regret. I should have. I could have. I would have. But you know what? I did it. And I'll tell you this, and I mean this every day of the week. I'd rather live a short life that is fulfilled than live a hundred years of safety and emptiness because you can jam that right up your ass. Okay, so you know what? Here's the truth and listen to this. If I die tomorrow, right, please at my funeral, do not be sad. Say that guy lived a full life at 49 years old. So if, so if it all ends for me soon, I don't care. But you know what? I'm going to go all in, all the way. I'm going to feel everything you can because you know what? We're here for basically a blink. Mm. How good was that? Yeah. Great video. <laughs> got emotional then. <laughs> Who is that guy? Mary. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> well, that's what. Yeah, that's what we felt a little bit, to be honest. That's why we wanted to wanted to push it out there. But I guess you know that's Danny today. That's in one of your offices, brand new fit out. You know, king of the world. Could you maybe sort of take us back to where it where it began? I suppose you know, nineteen years of age. You know, some some. Some some crossroads potentially. It wasn't always the, you know, the shiny guy, um, king of the world type stuff. Um, look, the short version is um, parents emigrated here from England to give our kids a better life. Um, so we lived in a place called Whittington, which is Geelong's most lower sort of socio socio economic area, and we lived in a caravan for, for some time until Dad got a job. My mum was. Worked at a chicken factory. She, I never knew my mum couldn't read or write until I was 14. And, um, yeah, I didn't do very good at school. And um, some, I won't go into it, but but not the not the greatest of upbringings. Um, and at 19 I found myself, um, after a number of times, I'd been in a number of detoxes of my drug and alcohol use. And when I was 19 I ended up in long-term rehab for four months. And my last drink or drug was on the 29th of November 1991. So I haven't had one one drop of alcohol or one drug for just over 30 years now. So I attribute a lot of my success to um, to the fact that I got sober. Mm. Um, otherwise, I would have followed in my brother's footsteps, who I buried four years ago. He died of a heroin overdose. Mm. And and my dad, um, who you know had a drinking problem, who was quite violent. Um, so anyway, so I'm glad I got sober. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and thanks – for sharing that, we don't, you know, we don't need to spend too much time on it. But I just feel like, you know, the successes that we're going to talk about in the next hour or so, I think, um, yeah, they have a lot more merit. You know, when yep. when when you do come from a place like that and yep. to get to a place where you are, so I feel like that was really powerful, mate. Thanks for that. Yep, no worries. Um, and then I guess, you know, business owner now. Um, when did you get into real estate? You know, that's that that's where your business and passion lies. Yep. Um, when did you get into real estate? How did you how did you go from starting out in real estate to... You'll love this. Um, I was 31 years old. I was working as a social worker. I was paying bills by colour. 
So some of your viewers will know what that means. It means you pay the red ones first because you're going to be disconnected. It was like, do we pay? <laughs> it was like, do we, you know, do we change the bald ties on the Hyundai, or do we pay the rates? Like, which one do we pay? And I was 31 years old. I was burning DVDs at home. You know, when when everyone's oh, back yeah, in the day, yeah, like, yeah, I was yeah. like Finding Nemo. I yeah. burned about ten thousand. I was one of the first persons to yeah. burn copies of that. Am I going to go for jail for saying nah, that? Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, you know, I had a little side hustle. I was trying to make money, and and you know what? I I thought I I wanted to go into real estate, but I was too scared to. I thought you know hit the mind, you know, you know. I call it the itty bitty shitty committee. You know what I mean? But that tape that's negative. You know, I was too short. I didn't have a good enough education. I didn't own a suit. My car was shit. You know, there was all these reasons not to do it. And my wife at the time said, Danny, just go for it. And I borrowed $20,000 and I bought an Audi. And it was a new looking Audi, but it had done like half a million kilometres. You know, one of those, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. those people? Yeah, yeah. You, we've all got a friend that's got the new looking car. And yeah. You look at the odometer and it's got like a million yeah. k's. I was like, dude, dude, this is a piece of shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I bought one of those cars and I rolled the dice and I took a chance. And I, I worked 80, 100 hour weeks. And um, in that, I was earning about 60 grand a year. And in year one, I made 150 grand. And in year two, I doubled that. Wow. Um, and it just took off from there. And was I, that Hayes, Hayes and Winkle? Or no, just no, Hayes no. At no. The I was working for a franchise at the time. And I sold 82 homes in my first year. Um, I took out the number one sales award for that group. Um, and I just thought everybody sold that amount of homes. And um, yeah, it got in my blood. I sold my first home and I thought I just made $3,000. And if I do this four times a a month, I'm going to earn, you know, 120, 150 grand a year. And it's just gone on from there. So, yeah. And what, and what do you attribute that to? Like coming into an existing space where there's, it's, it's competitive. Like, you know, the yep. space now because yep. yep. you're a giant in it, but when you started, yep. like people own those patches, you know, yep. how have you dived in? How did you, how did you do that amount of sales that quick? Like what, what are the lessons? Um, I, I think it's, I think we all get paid in direct proportion to how we communicate. It's just that simple. It's if you're a good communicator with whatever you do, if you can articulate things with sincerity and passion, um, and and authenticity. See, mm. authenticity is king now. That's what we were talking about it before. People crave. That's why people like reality TV and they like YouTube because they crave real. We 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 we're, we're over fake. Mm. Um, so for me, but and I say to new people that are coming to the industry, you've actually it's got to come from within. So this is a bit controversial straight up, right? But all these people that continually go to the Anthony Robbins seminars and they're always <laughs> continually looking to be motivated yeah. and inspired, yeah. I'm not attracted to those people. Yeah. True inspiration has <laughs> got to come from something within. And most of the time, um, success is driven through dysfunction. Make no mistake about no, that. I, I agree, Danny. And, and I reckon, correct me if I'm wrong, one of your, you know, your greatest weakness when you were 19 – became your greatest strength. Absolutely. You just you just learned to redirect that energy and that passion because clearly that's what got you into trouble, but you didn't know what back then you probably just, you know, flying by the seat of your pants and rolling with whoever you were rolling with. But ultimately once you understood and you figured yourself out and, and you found your feet a little bit, you, yeah, it started. And you harnessed it. And you harnessed it. That's what became, yeah, and, and you and you focused. You know, you turned that passion and and you and you dialed it in, focused on something that became your passion. I've all because I've always said people say, um, you've got to find your passion, right, Danny? Mm. And and the thing that shits me is like it's it's not that simple, right? You've got to you, you've got to put yourself out there, and you've got to have a go. And the better you get at something, and the more focused and the better you get, the more passionate you become. So you grow the passion, which kind of sounds like what you've done, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, th ultimately, it's been about. Money. I didn't know it at the time. I, I 
when I sold a home, I felt great. The vendors would get emotional and, wow, you sold 50 grand more. And then the money came. Um, but ultimately, it's great to be passionate about something, but you know, you don't want to be passionate about watching caterpillars in trees because it doesn't exactly bring in a great income. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Unless you're I, David Attenborough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well said. Um, yeah, it's got to be relative to the big to, – to what you want out of life. I grew up with not a lot of money. I was teased as a kid. I always had the poor runners. I, I used to look at the kids, the Nike kids. They were the rich kids. I wanted mm. to be like them. I remember getting on my bike – and riding 10 to 15 Ks as about an 11-year-old and, and riding to this sports store on a Sunday by myself to look through the windows just to look at a pair of Nikes. Mm. I didn't go in the shop. I wasn't good enough to go in the shop. I just looked through the, the window. And I remember when I got my first job at 14 and nine months at McDonald's, I bought a pair of Nikes and I did exactly the same thing with Geelong BMW as a kid. As a 15, 16, 17-year-old, I used to peer in the window at Geelong BMW and I'd be depressed. And I thought, one day I'm going to buy one of those cars. And when I was 31 years old, I walked into their dealership and I bought a BMW. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So I just don't, don't want to be poor. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, I love you know. that. I yeah, love great. that. Mm. Because I don't think you have to, I don't think you need to be poor. Mm. Not in Australia, you don't. You know, like you go put in, you put the work in day in, day out, you fight for it. I don't think you have to be poor. Mm. And being poor would suck. Yeah. It does suck. Well, we're not a poor country. I mean, I've been to India and I've seen mm. India. Like when you don't have power, electricity, any food or clothing. Yeah, like, we're, we're pretty good. We're, we're pretty good. <laughs> we've, we've got all of those things here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're not a poor country by any means. Yeah. Daniel, yeah, yeah. I've got one here. Like I want to go back to – when you're living that week to week, that red check, you know, or what am I going to pay? You know, when am I going to pay it? What gave you the balls to leave all that behind, borrow the extra 20 grand, going mm. more into debt and mm. back yourself to yep. start real estate? That You just said your mindset back then. You, you had a bit of self-imposter in, in um, where, how do you say it? Self-imposter syndrome. syndrome. But you still backed yourself to yep. go into a new industry that you probably didn't know much about and dominate it from, from the start. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> that's that's the truth. I mean, I didn't even know. I didn't even have a business card when I signed up my first listing. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, the lady asked me. She said, "How long have you been in real estate?" I said, three days." Oh, and we, yeah, that goes on. And we both, yeah, I did. We she, both started laughing. And you know what? Listen, she was laughing out of nerves. You'll love this. You'll love this. I, my first listing presentation, where I was in someone's lounge room, I was talking that fast, yeah. and I was that off my head. It's like I had a shot of amphetamines. I had a moment where I looked down. And there was bubbles of spit all over a table. <laughs> and she saw the spit and I looked at it and I thought, oh my God, I've just spat all over a table. I was that wound up and yeah. that just, you got it. And, and I, I, I won the listing, you know, yeah, and yeah, I sold yeah. it next weekend. And um, yeah, it was it was a great feeling. <laughs> what do you, what, like I'm, I'm listening to that thinking, that lady's gone, all right, this guy's maybe she's a bit crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, crazy, yeah, yeah. but geez, he's passionate. He's authentic. Yeah. And this guy's going to bloody get it done for me. I didn't have to lie. Here's the message. You don't have to lie. To win business, you can tell the truth. There's a this, but, but we 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 think we always have to impress everybody. Look at my awards, or here's my resume, or whatever. Mm. You can win just through being real and being yourself. But listen, if you've got a batshit boring personality, don't go and do another Anthony Robbins seminar. Why don't you work work on your batshit boring personality? <laughs> like get interesting. You know what I'm saying? Get enthusiastic. Mm. Get passionate because that's what people love. It's contagious. Correct. And I think it's that connection as well. Somehow yeah. you connected with that lady. Mm. She wanted to do business with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, she she no, was. she? Yeah, she was. <laughs> we, we connected later on. Yeah. <laughs> waka waka waka. Yeah. I'm just joking. <laughs> you can cut that bit out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's. We're not live yet, are we? No, no, no. No one's no, 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 This is a warm up. This is a warm up. Just ask me our wives, man. There's no one fucking listening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. So let's go, you know, Hayes and Winkles. It's, Hay- it's Hayes Winkle, one word. Hayes Winkle. That's all right. That's Hayes okay. Winkle. Yep. That sounds better, actually. That's <laughs> yeah. probably why you did it. Um, Hayes Winkle, you started that business and you've grown it. Yep. I know you're passionate about building business and, and leading businesses and scaling and that sort of stuff. Can you take us to when you took that leap from being that, you know, successful agent under someone else's umbrella? Yep. Start it yourself and where are you today? Well, after about two and a half years as an agent, I thought I'm going to become a business owner um, and I bought out, I was working for Ray White at the time and I bought out the, the owner of the who wasn't very good and it was a very small office and I grew that office and that office became the number one office in Victoria and I actually was the number one salesperson in Victoria for the Ray White Group for Transactions. Um, after about six years, I remember speaking to Brian White, who's the, the, the chairman, the owner of, of the Ray White Group, um, who's a really nice man um, and I didn't see value in paying franchise fees anymore. I, I was giving three, four, half a million dollars a year in franchise fees and I had two Ray White offices. And I thought um, with my business partner, Michelle Winkle, who was a top selling female in the country, mm. um, I wanted to go independent. I wanted to see if I can do this thing on my own. And yeah, we, we opened up um, Hayes Winkle, my, my last name and Michelle Winkle's last name. And that was 10 years ago. And we're just opening up our sixth office now. Um, and But that's been tough. <laughs> oh gee, that's been that's been tough. I mean, it's getting, it's easier now, but those first two years, I mean, I mean, I wrote a book about it, um, about how tough that was. Explain tough. Yeah. 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 What is tough? Well, well, the first year I I got divorced straight away. Um, I got sued by Fairfax for 1.5 million. It's the biggest lawsuit, real estate lawsuit in Australian history. I was was front cover of the financial review. Um, so this is year one. This is the first few months. Half my team left and reopened up Ray White Heighton, which I'd shut down next door. Oh. So we we're in direct competition with my friends I'd been overseas with. Wow. So about 10 staff had left. Um, Did they blindside you on that as yeah, well? Totally, yeah, totally, totally blindsided. Um, I mean, there was a punch up in the middle of the street. Um, he got arrested. I ended up in court over that. I mean, I was just mm. getting, you know, there was a child maintenance going on, lawyers for that. Look, there's just lawyers everywhere. And, um, to navigate through that first year. I mean, I did, uh, you know, I, yeah, it was, you wouldn't, it was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I got through it into year two and then things eased and. Um, so, so every sign that you got from the world, <laughs> should I be starting my own business was no, Danny. No. Don't, don't Danny, go back and be well, that gun agent and don't worry about the business. I'll just say this. And, and it's sort of a saying I've been using a lot lately. I, I say to people, if you want to earn 500 grand a year, then you've got to be prepared to do what someone has to do to earn 500 grand a year. Mm, yeah. If you're not, just go back and keep stocking the, the, the shelves at Coles. There's, a, there's another one as well. There's Look, a- <laughs> you work, uh, you know, entrepreneurs work 100 hours a week so they don't have to wor- work 40 hours for someone else. Yeah. That sort of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. But you don't have to, um, 
yeah, you don't have to work. I don't. I don't think I hate the word. Sorry, I just. I'm going to be really honest. I hate the word entrepreneur. I think so many wankers use that word. Like I'm an entrepreneur, <laughs> yeah. and you know, I, I, I work at Coles and I've got Bitcoin. Yeah, I've yeah. Got, you know, I, I own I own quarter of a Bitcoin. I'm an entrepreneur now. I like just. Oh my god. Um, it can be every, used poorly. Yeah. It can be. Used. Right, so no more entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah I'm just, with you. I don't like the word. Uh, yeah, I rolled up in a Datsun 120Y, but I'm a I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's just a little side <laughs> thing that I hate. Um, where were we? I've so, lost uh, so your partners are blindsided you. You're in height, and all signs are saying, "Danny, give it up, mate." Oh yeah. What What do you do from that point? Well, they weren't saying give it up. I just I, I don't quit. Yeah, and yeah. Even when I was on Big Brother, I mean, you know, I, I don't quit, and I mean that. Like, I'm prepared to die for the fight. When you're here's the thing, this is dramatic. I'm always about the drama. I'm a drama making machine. <laughs> Probably why I went back to back on two reality TV shows. But until you're prepared to die in the fight that you're fighting for, you will not win. On Big Brother, I'll just d- diverge here yeah, for a minute. Yeah. When I went into some of those challenges, I was the oldest there, yeah? I had the medics pull me aside and said, Danny, calm the fuck down. They swore at me. They said, calm the fuck down. <laughs> You're going to kill yourself. I went that hard. Mm. And I remember doing one challenge where we had to run. It was stinking hot. And I thought I, th- I would look at the, the medic with the defibrillator, mm. thinking they can bring me back to life. I was prepared to die on set to try and win the challenge. And that's the same with business. You know what? You want to stop me, you better kill me because yep. I'm going to keep coming and I'm going to – Whatever it takes. It's the guy that keeps getting up and he gets up and he gets up and he gets up and he gets up will always win because I've learned in life that most people fucking quit and then fucking they whinge oath. about it and then they have a go at the guys that are winning. They, so people like me, they go, that Danny Hayes is a wanker. And that's he, the only time they take the fucking L as well, right? Yeah. You only take an L when you stop. You take if a you what? The L, so you lose, right? Yeah, so uh, the only time you lose is when you stop. Yeah. If you keep going, no matter how many times you get knocked down, you keep getting back up, eventually you get there. Yeah, it sounds wanking. It sounds like a Rocky cliche movie, but it is the truth. If you keep getting back up, eventually those guys, they actually end up respecting you. They go, man, this guy, he just doesn't give up. Yeah, he yeah. just doesn't give up. Even, yeah, your competitors even go, you just know what? Like- hate that guy. He's taking business <laughs> off me, but I respect him. When I was getting sued by Fairfax, I would have been saying, he's going taken down. Thank God for that. Yeah, yeah. When I got charged... With, with a couple of other I, I punched a real estate it's a long story I punched a real I was, it was in the media that I was going to lose my real they would have said he's, he's going to be taking out a real estate now it didn't happen you know what I'm saying and and you know it's just yeah you just you can't quit mm. but you also got to make sure you're in the right arena you don't want to be and that's that's the balancing of act where people struggle with like they keep smashing their head against a brick wall but they're, they're, they're like in the wrong industry or wrong area for them to make money like do you know what I'm saying? Oh, 100%. Because yeah. I, I was there. That, that I was yeah. there before this business. I had another business yeah. that I spent 10 years on. And if I knew what I knew now, that was making money. It was good money. It was helping. But it was never the kind of business or, or, or money that was going to change my life, if that kind of makes sense. Yep. And it kind of, yeah, it just, it just had a ceiling. And I kind of knew it had a ceiling for a long time. Yep. But because I'd worked so hard to get it so far, and I was so like, invested in it was hard to let it go but the day that we I turned that off and we turned this on uh, that's when the change came absolutely so yeah it's burning time in the wrong I think it's like fail fast pivot faster you know like just keep trying different stuff you get it right they they also say being on the right ladder yeah if you're on the wrong ladder yeah no good gotta be on the right ladder so when you're climbing up like you say you're in the right arena which it sounds like you were yeah yeah 
yeah, you've got to you've got to be where the I mean, com- for me, commission based is where it's at because you yeah. get paid on performance, and yeah. if you perform well, you get paid well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Danny, where yeah. did that competitiveness come? You, you, you were getting smashed left, right, and centre from all sorts of areas, but you kept getting back up. I want to know where's that competitiveness come from? Has it come from the younger age when you're you know Resilience, you're man. in you're in London or England, and you felt like you were that you know not su- successful family or a poorer family? Is that where the competitiveness comes from? <sighs> You didn't want to go back there or like, want, just trying to get an understanding. He, he, he wanted the Nikes. He wanted the Beamer. He wanted the Nikes, yeah. Is that where it comes from deep down? But when you're living in a caravan and you're watching, it's just resilience. Yeah. You build up resilience. That the, the guys that are in the silk sheets are you Danny? that they don't get. Are you Danny or Benny? No, yeah, you're good boy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it depends on how deep you want to get with that question. That that's, Well, that's what I'm sort of looking Yeah, it's a, um, it's a hard one. It, it comes, I know where my drive. So what you're talking about is drive. Drive, Where where is that? My drive comes really from, <laughs> from actually from, from sort of, you know, not feeling good enough or self hate. So at school, I was a bit of a loner. Uh, I'm still a bit of a loner today through choice though, um, because I know all we have is time, and I don't like to waste energy on things that don't bring me anything positive. Um, but I just, I don't want to fail because there's a queue a mile long of people that want to see me fail. So. Mm. I'm driven because one is I don't want to fail um, and I'm driven because I never feel it's enough. You know, I never feel that my business is big enough. I don't feel I have enough money in the bank. I don't feel I have enough investments, you know, so that keeps pushing me all the time. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not being really clear on that, but but mm. it's just, it's driven through, my drive comes through Lofa Steelman, Lofa, and people would look at me and I'm at the, I'm a paradox of things because, you know, I I you know I can drive around in my Ferrari looking like a total wanker, but it comes from low self worth and low self esteem. Um, that the why I have that. Someone that has it all together doesn't need to drive around in a Ferrari. Okay, that's my shit car out there, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, where's a Ferrari? <laughs> yeah, in, in America. But but it comes from yeah. It it just you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I am compensating. So for you're some. fighting yourself a little bit. Absolutely, that, absolutely. Yeah. No one needs to criticise me. Yeah, yeah, your hardest critic. I'm, the, I'm, I'm my worst critic. You know, yeah. and I still see 13 years. I've been seeing my psychologist for every every <laughs> fortnight. So, you know, I need help in that in that area because I it's all about perspective, and I lose perspective very, very mm. quickly. Uh, I'm very much a work in progress. You know, I'm like I'm like that vase, and I know this is cliche that was shattered as a kid and I've somehow stuck the vase back together but there's a few pieces missing here and there so if you get to know me well you go Jesus Christ yeah. where did that come from <laughs> holy <laughs> shit Are you, did, he just, did he just say that or <laughs> did he just do that you know so yeah so that's why I've been in a little bit of trouble in my life nothing major mm. but I've, I'm certainly I don't back down from a fight just even taking on I'm, the real estate agents sorry just taking on a few real estate agents every well, now well he deserved that punch in the head so <laughs> Can so, we edit that bit out? Yeah. <laughs> so do you ever stop and reflect and look back and because you are successful now, really, do you ever stop back and reflect and go, yeah, fuck, I'm nailing this and appreciate it as we as you're moving even further ahead? Yeah, you're softening, being a bit softer on yourself. Um, I, I wouldn't say I do that, but I'm, I'm more philosophical about life, um, particularly when my brother died. I've learned that and people people's greatest mistake is, and this is not original, people's greatest mistake is that they think they have time. And you don't. Life is just so quick. Take- you need to do it today. 
you need to do that course today. You need to take that risk today. You need to ask that girl out today. You need to travel today. You need to buy that motorbike today. You need to quit your job and start your own business. You need to do it today. There's never, ever a perfect time. Um, and stay, and, and the negative, you know, it's like this. I can s- tell 90 friends of what I want to do. And if that one person says, oh, it's the wrong time because of COVID, yeah. it's like, yeah, oh, thank God someone <laughs> said it. I don't have to step out of my comfort zone yeah. and actually take a risk. So, yeah, so, uh, yeah, the biggest mistake people make is, is to think that they have time and they don't because all of a sudden next year I'll be 50 and I can't believe that, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, my God. But, you know, I like to think that I haven't wasted much time, but, you know, I've still got plenty of living to do, hopefully. Mm. Fuck, that's good advice because oh, what's every it? millionaire, billionaire, what can't they buy? Time. <laughs> yeah, you're spot on. That's one Why thing not? we all have only got X amount yeah, of time. Utilise yeah. every minute of that. And that's fucking the best advice you're ever going to hear for a long time. Utilise every minute of your life. Don't waste it. And that's what Danny's Fucking saying. spot on, man. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that. That's touch deep. That's good stuff. It's true. That's good stuff. Um, Danny, we spoke on the phone earlier and, and I think there's a bit of value here. You know, you're, you're scaling a business. You've scaled slash scaling a business. Mm-hmm. Um, you spoke about, you know, being that, you know, officer in effective control, being that boss, whatever it might look like, you're very, you know, you seem to be very good at stepping away. Yep. Letting letting go of that perfection. I know what you're talking, yep. So what you're talking about is, I love this topic. It's a great thing because people love to call themselves a managing director or a director or they love titles. You know, I don't know what- Fuck, I'm, entrepreneurs, I'm, directors, <laughs> we're fucked. <laughs> I love the title. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, here's the thing. It's, it's like a little test. Take yourself out of your business- what does it look like 12 months from now? 80% of businesses will go under. They are the business. Guess what? You ain't a business owner. You ain't a managing director. You're not a CEO. You're not an entrepreneur. <laughs> what you are is a control freak. Okay, so until you let go, you cannot grow. So I'm a macro business. I'm about the macro, okay? So I'm totally hands-off. I don't list or sell. I haven't done that for over five years. I don't deal with customers. You don't want me dealing with customers. <laughs> That's not my area yeah, I'm good yeah. at. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'm all about outsourcing. And we, we talked before about, let's just use Brian White, for example, who's a lovely, from the from the Ray White group. The, the brand's been around, I think, over 100 years. But initially, when Ray White started, they probably had one or two offices and they would have wanted perfection. Mm. But as you grow, they've got over 1,000 offices now. You lose... You've got, to, you've got to let go of perfection if you want to truly grow. And you've got to let go of, you know, you're not going to find, I'm not going to find another hundred Danny Hayes's to run Hayes Winkle the way I want it to run. What I have to do is find people that, that may align with me, but they're never going to do it as good as the business, as me, as Michelle Winkle want. Mm-hmm. They will always fail you and let you down. So you have to accept that if you want to grow, your business isn't going to be exactly what you want. But if you're making money, making profit from it, that's the only way to truly expand. So you have to outsource and you have to let go and let other people do do jobs that that aren't as dollar productive as as what you can be doing for yourself. So um, I've I think I've done that well, um, and I'm all about that. Um, so therefore, it frees me up to you know work on my YouTube channel. Um, you know, at least half the time, three quarters time and spend maybe six months of the year overseas or I can film a reality TV show or any of that stuff because my business is autopiloted. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, I don't bring any of the money in. Now, once upon a time, I used to bring all the money in, but I made a change. Um, Michelle, so, does she bring in a bit? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, she does. Yeah, she's the micro. She, she, she runs the high so office. So she's, yeah. Yeah, but I have directors that run each office and they're all shareholders. And how did you, how did you come, how did you and Michelle uh, hook up like where did that connection start 
Or not is hook it, up? Is it the is blue light disco? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we, we met through friends about 16 years ago and she ended up being my personal assistant. Um, and she then ended up going onto the sales team and became a top, she was the top female selling agent. Um, and yeah, she's just been very loyal to me. Um, and we've become very good friends and we have business assets together now and, and we're quite intertwined and, um, yeah, but, but I, I, I have the overriding in regards to business. Mm. There's a number of shareholders now that work in the business There's about nine of us, but I have the overriding vote. Um, and all decision-making in regards to profitability, finances, whether we open up an office, whether we shut down, who we employ always just gets run past me first. Um, so I make all the crucial decisions. Mm. I make sure our tax is okay. Not that I do that. I have a financial controller, yeah. but I'm always checking, trying to – it's always about putting out little spot fires before they mm. turn into great big infernos. Yeah. And with business, the bigger your business grows, those infernos can grow pretty quickly um, because you have more staff and staff – get you in trouble, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they don't, as we said before, mm. it gets diluted. You have to allow for dilution of your business if you want to expand. And with that comes the spot fires. Absolutely, 100%. Because you can't control people. Everybody, someone has a bad day and they say something wrong to a vendor or they yeah. underquote accidentally yeah. mm. and then it sells for 500 grand over and then you've got consumer affairs. You know, that wasn't, that just That's happened. Not, yeah, yeah. You're on, you're, on the, you're on the hook. Oh, it's my name. Yeah. It's my name. I've got to deal with that, you know, and that's what comes with growing, with growth. That comes more problems. So with Hayes and Winkles, when you're um, going to do a franchise, is there a process of picking that franchisee? They're, they're, you- not, they're not franchises. They're all oh, company-owned. So me and Michelle owned. Own, own the majority stake in every office. What right. we have is we have like sure. people that might – yeah. So someone that might work there might own 30 or 40% of that office. Okay. And it's basically their office. They become the director of that office. Um, and, you know, but for example, where we make profit is – our financial controller, her wage now is split between six offices. Do you understand? We've just employed yeah. rather than one office employing a financial controller paying ninety K, we've got paying any say, let's just ballpark fix say hundred K, mm. her wage is now split between six offices, which makes everybody more profitable, which makes my model sort of a little bit attractive. Not that I'm looking to open up a seven no, that's a good model, yeah. Office, but it's just a more of a smarter model um, that we, we try and do. Your, your top line becomes your bottom line? Oh. Is that is that right? Oh, is that well, what that means? Is that, think, is yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The, you got the lights turned on, and the more you can plug into it, the more the more efficient and economical the business runs, more profitable. I've always been about profit. Um, I don't care about the three hundred thousand dollar fit out. I don't care about the Eames chairs or the granite bench tops. I'd rather have money in the bank. Mm. I've always been about that um, because you know what? Twenty years from now, no one's going to care. Or fifty years from now, but it's the life you've lived. Yeah. And I'm in business, so I can do what I want to do. Um, which, you know, is my YouTube channel, which is travel, extreme stuff, which I like doing. Yep. Um, yeah. But it, it sounds like, and, and other guests we speak to as well, you know, your profit and loss, your numbers, your cash, your cash flow, like as a business owner, you can talk about all the pretty pictures and like you say, the granite bench tops and the branding and all this sort of stuff, yep. all, the, all the surface stuff. But if you haven't got it in the bank, if that flow's not there, you're not going to be around. So, Correct. So, yeah, yeah, yep. super yep. important. I quite like the idea of... Um, Profit sharing with employees is essentially what you're doing, and they're running that branch. Yep. So that's quite. I mean, any business can do that, really. Even if you're just a, a one or two man tradie, yep. and you've got one or two guys under you. Profit share in the job, and they're going to work harder. They're going to they're going to be become like you, I guess, and show that passion that you show. Correct. Yeah. It's it's not profit sharing. That an example would be they own forty percent of the business. Me, and Michelle, own sixty percent. We make a hundred k 
profit, net profit for that month, they'll, they'll get $40,000 on top of their, yeah. their commissions. Yeah, yeah. The commission might be 30 grand. And then me and Michelle make the other 60. Now, we might not make any money or pull any money for 18 months or two years. Yeah. Um, so we, we're bankrolling the business, you know what I mean? So so we don't penny pinch. Me and Michelle could be paying ourselves a weekly wage from each business, $1,000 from each business, but we don't do that. So yeah. we're all about let's make the profit and then we'll take it from the profit. Yeah. So it's all about being fair. It's about being honest. And it's about taking people on the journey with you, which I like to do. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Mentoring as well, I guess. Help, help mentoring them as well on the, along the way. Yes, showing them what not to do. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a fair bit of that. Do what I say, not what yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah, when I'm in jail. Lawyer, <laughs> lawyer. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, nice. Now, do we want to touch on the YouTube channel you're building? Like, that's super interesting to us. I know Benny's super passionate about it. We see it as a real progressive space. You started five years ago, we we're chatting about, and now you're turning into something, but it's something you've persisted with. You've got passion, mm. passion there. Yeah, I. Um, funny thing is, I five years ago, I got asked to troll for a reality show, which never got off the ground. And I thought, I'm going to start my, I'm going to take a camera into my work because I'm a bit of an oversharer. And, and, I, <laughs> and I'm also pretty honest. Um, so I thought I'd start putting up YouTube vlogs. And when I look back, geez, they're pretty rough. You know, they're pretty rough. Um, and it wasn't getting much traction. Like a lot of people on that the start a YouTube channel, it's very disheartening, you know. Like I'd get a comment and it'd be one of those spam comments and it'd be like, hey, you can allow or disallow. I would allow well, it. Yeah, yeah. I would allow it because I think the <laughs> algorithm will pick it up. Yeah. You know, and it'd be like, you know, come on, I've got to get to 100 views this month. If I can just get to 100, you know. So very, very long. And what happened was I persisted with it for about two years, two and a half, two years. And then I was quite depressed and I thought I'm going to ride my, my Harley Davidson from my home in Geelong all the way to Cape York and I'll vlog it. I'll take a camera and my drone and I started uploading it and like 100,000 views within like three days. Like, whoa, holy dooly. Yeah, I'm onto something right. here. My taglines were Harley Davidson and then it clicked. It clicked and I'd been hearing it a long time on YouTube and it was about what is a trending topic. Okay, think about it. Think about Harley. Just I'm just using Harley Davidson. Yeah, yeah. It might be sportswear or, or not. It might be for someone. It might be tennis or it o might be entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then that's not a trending topic. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, because there's not many people in that field telling us. Yeah. How to do it, hey, yeah. With, with their ninety nine dollars suit, they tell yeah. us. You know what I mean? Quarter of Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're all. Everyone's an expert. Um, sorry, I've lost my train of thought there. You tell us about when you're on the motorbike. The huge start, yeah, yeah, and the trends and the trends, trends on YouTube. Yeah. Well, I, and then I really it just hit me. It hit me, Harley Davidson. I mean, this is this is this has got a big following around the world, and I did that vlog, and then and then um, I flew. I thought I'm gonna. I'm going to do the most craziest thing in the world. I'm going to fly to India. My second marriage was on the rocks. I'm going to fly to India and I'm just going to hire a Harley Davidson and just say, which way is to Mount Everest? I'm just going to ride there. Wow. Did not knowing the language, just with some money and a motorbike and my cameras. And I, I nearly died doing it. And, and that vlog had millions of views and my subscriber base started jumping from 2000 to 10,000 to 20,000. And then I, I did. Uh, then I went to the Arctic with David Parry. We, we we picked up. You know, we just thought, let's ride to the Arctic. What's the most? There's a place called Dead Horse. You can't 
go, go any higher. 24 is, is a place called Dead Horse, a very rare. And people in America said, oh, you, you, this guy goes, he goes, you know what? These guys on their motorbikes, 50, 50 policemen tried to do that ride and like 48 of them crashed and they didn't make it and they come back. And me, David Perry, we did it, no problem. There and back, we did the Arctic. So I've done a lot of, so my passion today is doing um, remote rides around the world as best, you know, COVID's obviously restricted that. I've had to do some in Australia. But yeah, so my channel's grown um, and I love doing it. I love, it's not that I just love filming what I do. I love create, creating cinematic uh, content itself. Yeah. So a lot of my comment is, is my content, uh, sorry, my, a lot of my content is cinematic. I like slowing stuff down and getting the shot and using my drone and capturing stuff that people haven't seen, like around the Everest and in the Himalayas to see a Harley Davidson in the Himalayas on dirt roads and riding through rivers on is just unseen. Um, riding a Harley Davidson through the ocean, which I've done skimming along the ocean in up in northern Queensland, um, you know, and capture that on a drone and then and then turn it into a cinematic experience for me to watch back with some music and get feedback on that. The storytelling. The storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've learned that about YouTube. Sorry to go on about YouTube, but I just want to say this about anyone that wants to start a YouTube channel. It's not about your gear. It's not about getting the right camera. It's about telling the story. It's yeah, about – it's just about content. It's about telling – a middle, a start, a middle, and an end, and everything I film is on a GoPro. Um, I tweak the sound a bit in post production, and I do a little bit of color grading. I'm no expert expert on Adobe Premiere Pro, but if you look at my stuff, it's it's just it's clean. real, and it's real to your point earlier. Like authentic. people like authentic and real, and you're as real and authentic as they come. I get criticised on my channel all the time. They they say I've I've got a new girlfriend at the moment, Veronica, who's in my vlog, and people are like you're a fucking asshole, Danny. You treat her, and and I say you know what I could I, I could cut that shit out. I could cut it out. I could make myself squeaky clean and mm. a perfect human being, but I'm not. You know what I mean? Yeah. 80% of the time I'm pretty good. But when I'm on my motor vlog and anyone that's travelled, when, when you're flying a drone and you've been long-haul motorbike riding, you're exhausted, you crack their shits and you get shitty with each other. I, I film that stuff and I, I, I'll leave it in. You know, I'll show myself being an asshole um, because I want to give authenticity mm. to my vlog. I'm a real human being. Yeah, and that's what people connect with. Yeah. The real. Yeah, because we live in this world, sorry to diverge, but we live in this fake world. Look at Instagram. Oh, Everyone has oh. to put a filter on it. Yeah. How many women have you met? I have. I've been on the dating scene. <laughs> and you look at them. You, you see their Instagram photos. Hello. Thinking? Yeah, and then you look at them and you think, dude, what happened? You know what I'm saying? What yeah, happened? 100%. 100%. You know? Um, yeah, and that's a great- well, I could say something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't tell me you'd been hit in the face by a mortar. Yeah, yeah. Man. But I, that, mean, I mean- I didn't know you were a fucking fighter. Yeah, I didn't know you were a fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's, I mean, that's the stop, example, isn't it's it? Just it's just not living, real. It's, it's a lie. Yeah, it's, it's a lie. It's an absolute- and lie, yeah, and 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 I'm not I'm not anti women, but women get on this thing about oh we're being exploited. We'll stop putting your bikini shots on and are doing everything with bras and stop sexualizing everything yeah. on Instagram. It's like, you know, so I've tried to stay, not not that I'm going to be doing that for <laughs> me, but I've tried to just keep it real, you know, mm, mm, um, yeah, 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 not trying to sugar it up, put the mayonnaise on. This is Danny Hayes, yeah, love me, hate me, yeah, here I am. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not a liar, and yeah, I, I yeah. will try and be honest as as honest as I can be with everyone I come into contact with. Um, yeah, yeah, it's held you in good stead by the sounds of it. Well, not not always. I've been in heaps <laughs> of trouble. I've got a long line of people that hate my guts. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, the good thing is I'm connected to a few 
good people that aren't so good, if you know what I'm saying, which yeah, yeah. always look after me. All right. Well, so we, if might, you're coming we, for we might need that yeah, number yeah, one yeah, day. Yeah, Toby. If, if you're coming for me, you better take me down. Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> when I get back up, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this, and that was your only Benny said that earlier. I'm yeah. nipping at your toes, didn't you? YouTube. YouTube. Are you? No, no, no. He's not. He's not. He's just trying to aspire to. Get to you. No, I just I'm just super impressed because I, I, yeah, like like Pete was saying, I'm I'm sort of into that online marketing sort of space, and I know how difficult it is to build a YouTube channel to the level that you've done, and yeah. it's interesting to sit here and there's probably not that many everyday Australians that have done what you've done because a, I, I feel it's my perspective anyway. I feel like it's a bit harder in Australia; it's getting easier, but you know, in in those bigger countries like America and stuff, because you, 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 there's bigger communities, the algorithm, there's more people, you know, showing your content so you can grow a bit quicker when you're sort of catering to um, the, the local market, hoping to break through into the overseas market. It's a, it's a lot tougher. It's a bigger grind, I think. And yeah, I think what you've done is crazy. It's impressive. But I, I think to your point though, the key to it is the storytelling and the realness. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the differentiator. You're not trying to be something that you're not, you're not polishing it up. And, and, and when you're fighting with the missus and you're putting that up there, well, People, people watching, love it. but yeah, because mm. because when I'm Relate. watching, I because fight we with all fight with our misses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's not so full on stuff. I'm not. I'm not hearing. <laughs> you know, but it's just little. So you do cut stuff. when you. Yeah, we cut. Cut it. Cut it. When she goes to hospital, we cut that. Out, <laughs> <stuff like that. laughs> when the cops are arrested <laughs> for DV, yeah. that's domestic violence. You don't know. How did you survive going from India to where'd you go, Mount Everest? Survive that. Um, Listen to all of this. Oh, well, if you, if you, you go want, through some crazy areas, yeah, yeah, I did, I did. I was remote. Um, I just, I just wanted to try and, uh, you know, I was actually in a real low point in my life, and I actually wondered whether or not that would be a one-way trip. I look at what I did now; it's quite crazy because I was alone in the Himalayas on a dirt track, and if I'd gone over the edge, I would have never, have ever, ever have been found. Um, and the footage speaks for itself. Um, but it was. Look, I, I didn't get to Everest, but I ended up hiring. Mm. I chartered a chopper and I flew to base camp. And um, believe it or not, the, the guy, that the, the, the pilot that's on the vlog, who, who I'm sitting next to speaking to, four weeks later, he crashed that chopper and killed himself and everyone on board. Wow. So going to wow. Everest, oh. flying there is dangerous because the weather is so inclement. It just changes so quickly. Um, and that's you see me in the vlog. I'm crying as I'm heading up because the altitude affects you. You go f to 50% oxygen. He's wearing a, an oxygen mask. You're not. Um, and it is just something. It's just something. It's the craziest thing I've ever done. If you want to do something crazy, go to Nepal, charter a helicopter, fly to base camp at 20, 18, 19,000 feet and get out of the helicopter as you do. I've logged it. That is the craziest thing I've ever done in my life by a mile. Oh, yeah. That's full on. Did you do that, that Hollywood? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I love adventuring around the world. Yeah. 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 That sounds awesome. PK? Yeah. Was, was Would you do that? Oh, I don't know. I'm a pretty grounded sort of guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're only well, here for a short time, Pete. Well, I'm hearing that. I'm hearing <laughs> that. I'm getting more inspired as this goes on, to be honest. Um, I love getting out of the comfort zone, but the, old, you know, the old one way trip thing doesn't really excite me. But uh, yeah. what's uh, what's happening with the YouTube channel? Like, what, what does the future for that look like? You know, have you got to. You got it sort of mapped out. Yeah, you know yeah. where where are we headed? I'm off in about 15 days. Um, the very first vlog I did was to Cape York, and I fell short of 186 kilometres of making it to the very tip where you can get into the water. So I head off in 15 days' time to redo that trip on the same motorbike. Um, then 
I've got that happening. And then in April, the big thing I've got on is I leave for London um, and I'm touring London and Scotland. And then I'm having my motorbike ship to Los Angeles. And then I fly from Scotland to LA. Then I head south. I'm in South America for about two or three months. Again, I don't know if that's a one-way trip or not. <laughs> Colombia, Chile, yeah. Brazil, um, Bolivia. I'm going to do the Bolivia. That, that clip you saw, I talk about doing the Bolivia yeah, death road. The death road so yeah, so what happened it. was that clip came about was I said, I'm going to do the Bolivia death road. And the receptionist asked me, what is it? And I said, it's the most dangerous road in the world. You, trucks go over the edge and it's just a sheer drop. Um, and she said, why would you do that? And I said, well, you only live once. Who cares? I mean, I don't want, I'm not on a death wish, yeah. but yeah, so I'm going to do the Bolivia death road by Harley Davidson and then come up back through into the States and then do Sturgis, which is the biggest motorbike <laughs> meet, half a million to three quarters of a million motorbikes meet there once a year, which um, I'll have a lot of, I'll know a lot of people, that will know me, which yeah, yeah. would be great. Be a bit of clout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I'll ride into my road king, <laughs> on my, yeah. which they know. So yeah. that's the plan. And that that's probably four to five months of next year. So that's a big, hopefully that'll really skyrocket my YouTube. And are you going to, are you going to take a, 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 a camera, camera with you or are you going to keep vlogging yourself? No, I do everything m- myself. Editing I the whole, uploading the whole <laughs> well, up. you got to find a cameraman. Hey, would you go to this death row? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you do it. <laughs> he's fucking busy though, man. Lazy <laughs> that day. Yeah. He's, got, he's got shit on. It's a one way trip, man. Good. <laughs> Hey, give it a thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> no, he's off. He's, he's gone. There's no guarantee of coming back. But that's what makes them fun. You know what I'm saying? And we never. There's never a plan. It's like we get to a, well, get to a country. There's no plan. There's no pre-booked accommodation. You just have to figure it out, and that's the fun of it for mm. me because I love being out of your comfort zone. Like we talk, the wanky word is like, oh, you got to you know get comfortable outside your comfort zone. I mean. I'm uncomfortable as it is. So for me, I'm uncomfortable being calm, right? This is weird. So when I'm doing nothing, I get depressed, bored, I'm uncomfortable. When I'm doing something extreme, it stops that tape in my head from telling me how shit I am, how underachiever. It just puts me in the moment. And motorbike riding for me is such a dangerous thing to do. Any motorbike rider will agree that you've got to be focused. When you take a corner, you look at the road, you're looking out the left, looking at the right, you've got to watch what you're doing because you can end up dead very, very quickly. So motorbike riding for me, extreme motorbike riding really puts me in the now. Mm. And ultimately any human being, the more you can live in the now, the more comfortable you are. So it's a bit of an oxymoron for me because the more out of my comfort zone, I'm more in the now. It's it's hard to explain. You're more comfortable. I'm more comfortable. <laughs> yeah. It takes me out of... Yeah, it's just weird. I don't, I don't, I don't have the words, the vocabulary to mm. articulate it clearly. Mm. But I'm sure that some people will sort of know what I mean. Totally. Yeah, I think Eckhart Tolle nails it in his book, and he also, you know, living in the past is depression. Living in the now is is the peace. Living in the future is anxiety. Yeah. And you've yeah. been on the motorbikes, living in that now at peace with yourself. Correct. That's pretty impressive for you, Dan. <laughs> pull a man every now and then. <laughs> just pull it out. <laughs> no, that's fucking hell. Do I have that in a note? Something? Come a long way in the last few weeks, know. man. Jesus. <laughs> But yeah, so I don't know where to go. I was surprised myself. The boys are shocked. No, no, no. I've said something that's smart. They're stunned as man. From the guy that watches TV. Yeah. So yeah, well, like I'm, we're both. Well, I'm on a network involved with a national network. You were on Seven. Is that is that going to be around? Like all I'm hearing is YouTube over here. What's happening? Is do, do you see the future for the normal networks, or is you probably can't go there? Sorry, I think I shouldn't ask that. I can. 
They're fucked. The networks are fucked. Guys like this, well, they're building up their own audiences that are getting like Danny. Well, Danny keeps going at the rate that he's going, and soon enough, he's going to be pulling bigger numbers than Big Brother's pulling, right? And and he's going to have full control of that. So it's cutting out the middleman, like like Bitcoin, just quietly. (laughs) Do do I have a job? Am I I going to have a job? Look, there's always going to be a place, but I think that the independent, the independent guy is going to win. I think my daughter, as I said, summed it up. She's 21. She said, Dad, we don't watch mainstream TV. We yeah, just, exactly. we, they divert, they eat YouTube like like 24 7. Mm, Anything yep. you want is on there. Um, you just search. And I mean, even the network stuff now, right? Because even the networks know that they need to put their shit on there because that's where they are. That's where they're you know, in the second market. Like when we we're talking numbers mm. earlier, you know, you've got the numbers that initially watch it and then you've got them that watch it on the catch up apps. But then you've got the ones where they chop them up and they put them on, on, on the YouTube and stuff like that, you know, so because they know that's where the kids are. That's where, that's where they are. And, and people think it's, I was saying earlier as well, like people think it's big now. Like, this is nothing now. Like in ten years, when it, the full shift has happened, yeah. when those kids, when your twenty-one-year-old daughter and my twelve-year-old daughter, shout out Brixton, you know, um, when when they when that full shift happens, that's where they're going to be, and that and it's going to be independent creators and independent, and you know, for you, Danny, you know where you could take it, you know, you could start collaborating and having other people and having other shows and other other ideas that you can present to your to your audience and sort of build it out from there. Absolutely. Yep. You're in control and that's the main thing. You haven't got some producer mm-hmm. telling you what you can and can't deal in because you can be real, right? There's no watering down. Absolutely. Yep. And then you can align with fucking brands that align with you opposed to, you know, these networks that you can't do this or you can't, you have to stand a certain way because they're trying to protect their brands. Well, you, you know, you, you're in complete control. You can be you and you'll align your brand with brands that make sense for your brand, which makes it doubly powerful for the for the people that are paying, for the brand placement, right? Because they're they're partnering with someone that, that synergizes with them. Can you say that again? That's yeah, we all, we all got lost. <laughs> oh, no, what are you talking about? Sounded, <laughs> somewhere. About clip it, clip yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded good though. Yeah, it's good. We'll but but what, what I see is you're, you're living your perfect life. You're doing the job you love and it, it's allowing you to travel the world, see the world, and you're living that life like you said in that video earlier. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm living my perfect life. I don't like, I you know, at times I get contemplative. We all get contemplative about life. We do an assessment, relationship, work. What We say to ourselves, well, what am I doing? Time's running out. What the hell am I doing? So I, I do that too. Um, and, but yeah, I, I look, I my job is, is real estate. I'm lucky that I don't have to be, be there a lot, but my perfect life for me would be to be 24-7 on the road, mm. the road less travel, just not knowing where I'm headed with, with, with money, plenty of money, and just go and capture stuff that people would rarely see. Um, and, you know, you have to be extreme about it. You know, and I said this actually on Big Brother and I think they aired it, um, I feel most alive when I'm closest to death. I know that sounds dramatic, but when I'm right on the edge with anything, that's when you know that you're a human being. And... You know, some people, they really need to check their pulse to see if they're still alive because they're just doing nothing. Mm. You know, instead of sitting there watching Netflix, go out there and make it. Mm. Like, go and make it. Mm. Like, who says you can't? My whole life I had people say, you can't do it. Yeah. You can't do this, you can't do that. And I just say, why can't I? And most of them, it's the, it's their own fear and insecurity that they're putting onto you because they didn't live their dream. It's normally parents, a father or mum. Mm. They didn't live it, so, so you can't do it either. It's bullshit. I call yeah. bullshit. I call it bullshit on a lot of stuff. Mm. You can do it. It's just your head telling you you can't. 
And that's why action, I've read it in here, execution. Oh, execution is all that matters. It's all about doing it. Absolutely. Ta- taking the action. It's on the wall. Because your head will tell you not to do it. Yeah, the, the, the head yeah. says don't do it. Yeah. Wrong time. Coronavirus. Yeah. Too risky. Motorbike. You'll donor bike. You'll end up dying. Don't do it. Don't go on a re- – I was told, if you go on Big Brother, your real estate career will be over. It has – guess what? My real estate didn't end. <laughs> when I was in the financial review – being super one and your didn't end. Well, people put limits on what they can do, right? And yeah. the reality is, there's the only limits in life are the ones that you put on yourself. Yeah. So the, the, yeah, there are no limits. People don't think big enough. They yeah. don't. Mm-hmm. They honestly don't. They they don't think big enough, and they just don't. And and they leave that. And that that's why that video. People are in nursing homes, and they're full of regret. Yeah, and they late. wish they took more risks, mm. but they did. Should have, could have, would have. But you know what? They didn't. Mm. And then they have a go at guys like me. They go, oh, he's cocky, that Daniel Hayes. Oh, he's he's up himself. I look at him in his Ferrari looking like a wanker. You know what? I'm just living my life mm-hmm. the best way I can live it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't judge me. And I try, it's, isn't it funny? I find that successful people don't judge other successful people. They're generally happy for them. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you this, and I'm going to be, this is quite full on, but you know when you're hanging around a fucking loser, it's because when you're successful, they're never happy for you. They've yeah. always got to bring you down. Get rid, get, I'll tell you what. Expedite those people out of your life today. Yeah. Anyone that's not happy for your success, get rid of them because they're on a very different journey than you. Yeah, yeah. Well, that probably more talks about them and they're not happy with where they're yeah. at and they look at you and go, you you make me feel inadequate. I don't like it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Success breeds success, you know. Yeah. Success can probably be a bit of a lonely place as well, Danny. Yeah, sounds like a song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I bought my guitar with me. Yeah, yeah. Give us the first verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's bloody awesome. What um, we like to touch on, is there any charities you're working with, working on, anything you're passionate about? We've heard a lot of passion today. Before any- we do, PK, can I can I st- jump in? Can 100%. we talk five minutes on Big Brother, man? Like I watched it, you know, yeah, so yeah, I'm a little yeah. bit interested, Danny, because I remember when you walked – because we haven't spoken about it, right? When you walked in, you were – Full on when you were, oh, fuck, this, was, bloke, this bloke ain't going to fuck the last five told, minutes. And then I think you were everyone's favourite player by the end. So I was told by a number of people that guy was coked off his eyeballs. Oh, you heard the conversation at my joint. Your listeners will love this bit. What you got to understand is when, we, we, when you get picked for Big Brother, I didn't know that I was going into the house first. I didn't know nothing. Blindfold, you're given an hour's notice, so I'd quarantined for 14 days. If you weren't insane enough after police quarantine, you're then chauffeured into another hotel, the Novotel in Sydney, waiting, not knowing what day, what hour you're getting under the Big Brother house. No one tells you nothing, right? Even an hour's notice, you're going in in an hour. Holy shit, you're training, you're, push, you're, you're dieting because you want to look good on TV. You, you know, you, every hair's yeah. perfect. It's like, then you're blindfolded. Then I remember being in, I got into a bus and I knew there was two people sitting in the back because when I got to know Nick, you know, the redheaded guy? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah the yeah, tall yeah. fellow with the moustache. Nick moustaches. goes, man, yeah. I thought you were the gay guy on the show. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, because goes, you were like, <gasps> in the bus. I said, Nick, I was shitting myself. I've never been on a reality TV. This when we got to know each other. Then then you, the blindfold's taken off 50 metres before the house. You see Sonia Kruger there and then you're just thrown into the house. And then I was in first. What the viewers didn't see... You saw me a bit of a caged tiger. 
I was given that mission within about three minutes of being in the house. My mission was to escape the compound with Nick and not go undetected and I would I would um, escape the first elimination. Um, so I was walking around getting to know everyone like I was I was like pinging. I was <laughs> pinging. I was, my heart's racing, I can't get caught. Like I was taking the game seriously. <clears throat> Nick, my offside, was like he was there for a summer vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, chill out. You know what I mean? Have another cone. Yeah. Dude, like we're on a mission. Like, come on, get with the fucking program. Like, you know, we're being filmed and everything we say is being listened to. He's like, are we? Yeah. Dude. And I said to him, I said, have you watched one? Like, I back to back watched last season four times. Like, I did my research. I said to Nick, have you watched one episode of Big Brother? He goes, no. I said, dude, I've selected you as my offside in this bunker. Dude, you know nothing about Big Brother. I said, I've made the biggest mistake. <laughs> so, yeah, it was very intense. and um, But slowly, you know, I got to show all facets and, and people found out that, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty emotional guy and I, I get upset about things and I'm quite moral. And if you talk about my kids, I get really upset. And um, and the guys got to know me and I ended up with a lot of respect at the end. And I think, you know, um, it was for me it was a great experience and um, I was I was very – but I, the, the first episode I took out Max, you guys probably don't remember. I mean, I was there, but I didn't have to send that. I, the vote was left with me. I didn't have to send home the world champion Ironman. And I think a lot of people in the room didn't think I would do that. And I gave him the bullet straight away. And I think I set the tone for the whole series to yeah, say, I'm, I'm here to play. Yeah. I'm here to evict Fuck people. Yeah. I'm not here to be friends because yep. I've got enough of them and they're high maintenance. <laughs> I don't like any of you guys. I don't trust any of your trust is going to be earned through me. And I did. I bought. I, I built loyalty with Tilly. I built loyalty with Nick. I built loyalty with people. Strong loyalty. My handshake was my handshake, and um, eventually it was my undoing. But look, it's a reality show, and there is a level of, um, you know, I mean, it's Big Brother is true reality. But but you know, is it tilted a little bit? Of course, you know what I mean. They they, they want to keep certain people. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that it's set up, but I'm saying it's tilted. Let's just use the word. Is there only so much they can do, though, isn't it? Like they can put Correct. you in a challenge and then Absolutely. and make everything favourable for you, but if you don't win, you still – VIP yeah, yeah. is a classic example talking yeah. about Bernie. When me and Bernie had that, that challenge, I mean, I'm up a strength, and, um, you know, I think that to some degree that challenge was was – you know, built for me to, to win and I stuffed and it, you up. Fucked it up. I fucked it up. I fucked it up. I went home, you know, and then I had to cry about it for about four months. Yeah. You know, I threw all the toys out of the cot and went berserk. Like, this game shit. But yeah, if I was still in there, oh, how wonderful it was. I mean, yeah, I can be two faced. Yeah. So. Have you gone back and watched it all? Your series? Both of them? I can't. I still can't watch my entire. So you got to understand when we're filmed, we don't see. Mm. So we, when you when people watch Big Brother first season, when they watch it, I'm watching it for the first time too. So you have no idea. No, not yeah. What's, what's coming? Yeah. Oh, and people are so brutal online. They hated me. You know what I mean? I was yeah. getting trolled bad. You know what I'm saying? Did, did that shift though? I feel oh, like because like, yeah, because I wasn't online. What, what, but what? I wasn't a big fan at the beginning either. I wasn't <laughs> a fan, but more more I feel like when you, you came in out of the box, you came in hot. Yeah. But then once people got to know you, yep. then I feel like yeah, the sentiment was you would have been a fan favorite for sure. Yeah, the best scene was when I went when I went undercover in the belly of the beast. I, that was my nemesis, Katie, the world champion, the female, and we just did not see eye to eye. That's right. Yeah. And yes. and I had to bow. All my all my army had been blown away. They'd all been sent home, and it was just me alone. And I had to go undercover. And I said, I'm gonna. So I I pretended to befriend her. But what I did was I gave Big Brother the narrative. See, it's all about this. So I the gave story. him. The, so if I did pull it off, it would be iconic and a hero. So I just kept going. Oh, you're great. And and then Katie said. Let's not vote Danny, and he's okay now. <laughs> and then when I got when I won a challenge with Marley, who was her best friend, yeah. I nominated her, and I sat next to her like this, like a psycho. This <laughs> yeah. is full psycho shit, right? 
you know, so what you do is you, when you win a challenge, you go into the diary room and you've got to pick out three names, yes. right? And no one knows those three names. They call us all in. We sit in the in the mm-hmm. big in the lounge room, and then and then you read out the three names. So you're all waiting there. Apart from that, if you've won the challenge, you're safe. But the other ten housemates would have been shooting themselves like, mm-hmm. "Who's going to be read out?" Yeah. Katie would have been thinking she's totally safe because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> she had Marley in there as well, right? Yeah, but yeah. I strong armed Marley. Yeah. So as a, as a psycho, and I knew the cameras would be on me because my heart was at two twenty, right? <laughs> like her name's going. She's got no idea this is coming. But as a psycho act, I, was, I sat next to her on the couch and put my arm around like this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to bear it in. So when they said. Yeah. The three housemates that have been nominated are Ari, Christina, oh. Oh. and Katie. <laughs> and she went, she went, she went. What? And, I, and I just went. Oh, oh the desk there. Oh, the desk there. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then they didn't hear this, but I said to her, I, I, I went into full psycho mode and I did get dragged into the diary room a few times yeah. for a bit of a chat that went like this. Calm the fuck down, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> You're scaring the contestants. They're all fucking crying, Danny. You don't have to physically fucking kill them. <laughs> sort of went like that. That's yeah. the watered down version, right? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm not joking either. Yeah, yeah. Danny, we love you, Calm down. <laughs> You're making people cry. You're scaring them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The seven-year-olds watching this is not a fucking horror show. You don't have to physically kill them. <laughs> and she was a big player, right? She was a big oh, player. She was so oh, she, was, she was there. She was good yeah, to me. Man. She'd go, oh, Danny, this. Yeah, head you know? while like yeah, feeling yeah, pretty was, good about what was going oh, on. Yeah, she absolutely. Was real and I was just saying, oh, you're the greatest, Katie. Yeah, yeah, no, Danny's groveling. <laughs> oh, up. Oh, no. but, but I said a bit. So when and what happens is you do a scramble. So you've got three people nominated and then, and then you've got about four hours for those three people to, to try and not get voted. So everyone had these little group huddles and because I won the challenge, I couldn't vote. But I just remember walking up to a group of them, Sid and everyone, and I said, like a psycho, <laughs> I said, I just said, I've loaded the gun. You pull the fucking trigger. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just sat down and ate my chest. Yeah. Like something catatonic. Yeah. <laughs> and when she got evicted, I was in the eviction chair. If you watch that, I think it's episode eight. If you watch it, my heart, I'm just sitting there going, just get her out. Get her, get out. her out, vote her out. And then the votes came in and she was gone. Katie, you've been evicted. I just knew that was the the moment where I that was it and, and I knew I had respect again I pulled it off and, and I didn't know what they were going to show but they showed it exactly how it all went, went down. down and that it, was the turning point the, 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 yeah it wasn't really the turning point because what happens in that house is it, people become annoying mm. like you live it doesn't I was there for 62 days it was filmed for 63 days <laughs> 24-7 can find like in a room mic'd up you start you know what you go in there doing your hair day one day two by day 30, I looked like something out of Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> right? I looked like something out of one flat of the cuckoo's nest. My hair, you yeah. didn't care what you looked like. Yeah, yeah. Walking around with dirty jocks on, you know, dirty jocks. You just don't care. Um, you're there to evict people and try and – and then halfway through it, you're that exhausted and tired and Big Brother has you up 24-7. You want to go home and then then it's like the last two weeks and then Big Brother, he really did help you. He'd say, Danny, Danny, you're nearly there. You can make the finale, and he—he he was really good. It was it, Big Brother. I got to say, he's, he was the like guy a behind it, yeah. yeah, he really did talk, and I spoke to some of the guys off the previous season. He did talk some of us off the cliff at times. We had enough. Mm. Big Brother is not like, say, some of the other reality shows where you go home at night. You are going. We're starved for starters. You don't have a lot of food. Yeah. Um, you are up. I think one point we're up for forty hours straight. Um, we had a challenge at 2 a.m. in the morning. You don't know what time it is. You don't know what time of day it is. You are disorientated. Yeah. And then you're paranoid because everyone's gossiping and whispering yeah. and, mm. and lying to you and you've got 
young kids in there. I'm, I was 48, one of the oldest, you know. So And you're constantly trying to play the game as well. That's heavy. You're trying to keep realigning. Yeah, and one yeah. of your mates will be sent home and you're like, shit, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to suck up to this person a bit or yeah. or do a deal here. Or, but sometimes Big Brother would help me out a bit, you know. Yeah, you know. got looked after. And I reckon you got looked after because of the way you played the game, right? That's what Big Brother wants. They want people to come in, take risks, play the game because that makes good content. And from the sec, like I said before, you came in hot and you stayed hot the whole way and play, playing the game. I could have, look, I could have, people have said that they said, oh, it was rigged, Danny was looked after. You know what? I could have been voted out at any time. Yeah. I could have been voted out. I got a few advantages along the way, but I'll tell you this, I I, I never got, I got nominated twice. I got the least nominated, so I got nominated, Mm. and then my third time I got evicted and there was only one day left. So someone had to go, it was between me and SJ, one of us had to go home. So... Um, and I got the heroes march out, and I hugged everyone. I said goodbye, and I left with, and I had my kids watching, and I think they, saw, my kids saw their dad in a different light. And for me, that was the best thing about Big Brother for me because they saw me emotional, they saw me angry, they saw my determination, and they saw that I was respected mm. by the housemates. And actually, you know, I ended up becoming the Australian fan favorite, and that's mm. what got me on VIP. So that was, a, it's a sort of a, I know it's Big Brother, but Big Brother isn't what it used to be. It's not a sex type thing anymore. It's actually, it's more like Survivor yes, inside right. a house. Yep. You have to be physically fit. Yeah. And, and you know, they were all athletes in there. Marley was a basketballer, two world champions. I mean, you know, a burnt out real estate agent. I don't know what I was doing there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got to be mentally strong, don't you? Hey, You'd have to be uh, mentally strong for that, more I re- so. I remember in one of the challenges of Challenge 1, so I know we're going on here. I always get caught up in the Big Brother. Uh, bring <laughs> it, like bring it. We love it, we love it. I remember saying to Katie, well, I was going head-to-head with her. Like She's a world champion. I was just, I trained a bit, but not her. I what said, did she do again? I can't remember what she uh, champion surfer, surf life saver, Iron Woman. Yeah, Iron Woman. Iron Woman. We're doing a challenge, and I said to her, "They aired this." I said, "Listen, Katie, before I quit, I'll go unconscious. That's what I'll do." <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> and, that. And about yeah, fifteen like seconds it. later, I said, oh, "I'm stuffed." I'm just, I'll just let go. I said, "I'm out." <laughs> and they all started laughing at me. Oh, Daddy, you're full. <laughs> so I would give them a lot of one, like really germane, like stare yeah. to like say, "You know what, Katie? I'm gonna be putting you up." Yeah, I remember. I was, was it just, Sid as well? You oh. said, "Just so you know." Yeah. I don't know what you're doing, yeah. but I'm fucking putting you up, dude. No. Well, that's what he did to <laughs> no, Bernie, no. I think. To Bernie, was it Bernie? Yeah, was it yeah, Bernie, yeah. yeah. No, Jess was the best one. I said to Jess, because she always tried to try and be my friend. I said to her, I, I said, she goes, what's the plan? I said, well, here's the plan. If I win the nomination, I'll nominate you. But if you win, you don't nominate me. She went, hmm. Nah, mate. <laughs> like, I, I would just play with them, and what I would do is I'd do I'd just I'd say stuff like this because it's a psychological game, and I got that. Mm. I'd say to Jess, I'd say, I know you've got a really big alliance, but I'm just going to let you know now that a lot of those guys have been talking to me, and it ain't as strong as what you think. And then I'd say, anyway, I got to go. I'd walk <laughs> off. I'd, I'd see her half an hour later, and her eyeballs would be spinning yeah. like something out of The Exorcist. Like she'd be doing the head case, mate. Yeah. And I just did stuff like that on the show all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Dropping bombs. Yeah, just throwing grenades here, I heard this. I heard that. Any regrets though, Danny? Was there anything on there? Like you, you look back and you're proud of how it all played out? And- no, nah, I, I got a dream. Look, the guys, I've got nothing but praise for the producers. Um, if it, yeah, just gratitude that I was picked to go on there. Um, yeah, I didn't apply that. They approached me. I just want to yeah, say how did, Yeah, how did that come about? 
I from the from the YouTube channel because I was on a current affair. Oh, I was going to say <laughs> front, oh, the front, front page of the financial room. This is the YouTube room. <laughs> I broke a bit of a law, and because we know a current affair is a credible, credible. Good uh, network. Yeah, it's a good network. Yeah, it's a great network. I love Tracy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I, I, no regrets, and I, I, it was tough in there. It was really tough. Many times I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to kick the door down. I threatened to kick the door down. I said, "Let me out. You can't imprison me. You're breaking the Geneva Convention." Yeah. I said, and um, they talked me out of it. I'd had enough. Um, but they, they got, but no regrets. Loved it. Awesome to look back on it. But just grateful that you don't realise that there's. What I was saying before is, you don't see any cameramen. But when you do a challenge, you see a hundred people. Mm. It's like, whoa! This is a massive mm. thing that you'd have Production. no idea. So sometimes some of the housemates, some of the younger ones would be whinging and whining and I'd actually pull them into line and I knew that the producers were listening to me. I'd say to, I'd say to say, let's say, I'll just use a, a generic name. I'd say, Kylie, you realise that 65,000 people applied for this. You've been here 10 days. Stop fucking whinging. Yeah. Mm. Be grateful mm. that you're going to be on a national TV show and if you're game enough, people are going to see you are as a human being. Stop whinging because these guys aren't going to like it. So I reckon producers would probably – I did that a lot being an older guy. So that probably – they'd probably say, Danny's a good guy. You know what I mean? That's I did good. that a few times, some of the guys. Yeah. But guys did it to me too. They said, Danny, you know, you know, don't threaten people with it, the nicest. <laughs> <laughs> T- take off five. <laughs> we need you on the block, I think. <laughs> That's what we need you. Is the auction auction or is nah, it contestants? Contestant. Oh yeah. <laughs> I did like it, but I don't know if yeah. I, I you know I, I don't I don't have an issue with reality them. TV. You can't. You, there's other ones out there. What's the, the, yeah, the Bachelorette and no, the, no, jung- yes, the Jungle yes. SAS, Danny? That's that you every you, bit, Danny. you man. That interests uh, you. No, nah, look, I, I fucking do it, Daddy. I would like to go ahead. I wouldn't like. You'd Ant. probably die on it. The you, only you know, issue. Ant. You know, Ant, the the guy in SAS. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'd have to say to him, "Can you not spit all over me?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon that'd be. No, <laughs> no. I just I don't go looking for it. Whatever happens, happens. Um, I've got a pretty hectic year, but the Apprentice, year. you'd be good on the Apprentice as well. It's funny people say that. It's like you have it. Like you would know. You you you're lucky to do one mm. if two, and that you have your two minutes of fame. And then it's all over. Mm. And I am actually trying to get over it. And I haven't watched Big Brother back because it is, it, you create, you get known, you go out, but it's, it is, it is, it is only two minutes of fame. And, and it is easy to lose perspective of who mm. you are as a human being. And I can become very ungrounded very quickly. And so the longer I'm away out of it, that's good for me. But if something came up, I would definitely uh, look at it. But I wouldn't do anything. You know what I mean? I wouldn't do something tacky. I like competitive things where you have a chance at winning but I do feel that I was robbed of Big Brother I would like it you know Redemption. to win something yeah. <laughs> but anyway no it was fun no complaints awesome awesome any more questions we we could speak to this guy forever oh, and we'll have to have on. him back on <laughs> love it especially after you do if, your he, trip. if he makes it back from the uh, death two, row or whatever two, it is two way trip <laughs> hopefully it's a two way trip but no. nothing no thank you guys thanks for having me it's been great good fun um, you want to touch on your charity Oh well, I, I don't have a specific. <laughs> I don't have a specific charity. Um, You're supporting I mean, the mental health stuff. I, you were I, doing with the I, motorbike I rides. raised November um, 2021. I was the number one fundraiser in the country for oh. for them. Um, number two in the world, which was a, I did a motorbike ride and raised a lot of money. That's awesome. Um, but recently, I've been supporting um, Lifeline. So any charity rides I've done, I did one in about a month ago when we donated the funds to Lifeline. So, I mean. I think 
it's a way to balance the books, I guess, live a bit of an extravagant mm. life, but you've also got to give back mm. to yeah. people that are in less fortunate position. I think if you forget that, you've, you've lost the whole plot of why you're here as well. Yeah. So um, I don't have a specific charity, but, you know, I, I anything to do with mental health or suicide, we've all yeah. probably know people that have taken their life, yeah. um, which is tragic. And, um, you know, suicide, unfortunately, is a solution for some people, but there's many, many other things they can do before they, they take their lives. And it's just, you know. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. Like a lot of men, we, we all mm. know someone or have been there ourselves, you know. Yeah. No, awesome, mate. Well said and keep up the good work. And mm. jump on, follow Danny. Sounds like it's going to be a big year for him. Um, well done, mate. Please like, share, subscribe. Thanks for listening. Thanks for viewing, however you're doing it. Um, we'll see you at the top. That was a good one, mate. That was bloody awesome. Thanks, Danny.